passionate income is now you've built a business around stuff that you would do for free. And that's what you're making money off of. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Excited to have Brian Lubin. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing awesome, man. Doing awesome. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day in Austin, Texas. Went for a little walk this morning along the river. Um, it's nice. a beautiful day to be alive, man. How's it going with you? Wow. It's, uh, it's not quite that nice here, but you know, <laughs> hey, it's 40. I think it's like 43 today, so I'll take it. It's better, than, fun. Uh, it's better than negative 20, which it easily could be. So we're we're all good here in, in, uh, in sunny Minneapolis. But uh, so a little bit about Brian. He's an entrepreneur, podcaster, real estate investor. Um, and uh, while in college, built his first company, Greek Beats DJ Entertainment. So were you a DJ? Is that is that kind of the the company? Yeah, that's what that's what first started. Like Love whenever that. I was in college, that's how I paid for college. Was doing that. It was my first first dip dip of the toe in entrepreneurship. Awesome. My my daughter, she's thirteen. She loves like djing at home and like yeah goes just like wants to be a, a dj so like that yeah, right. was a blast yeah yeah sounds good so um anyways uh after graduating uh brian made it to fortune 500 company in his sales organization uh only quickly realized that living that american dream a corporate american life for the next 40 years just wasn't going to be the option so congratulations by the way he officially quit a year ago today as we're sitting here recording it now as this comes out it'll be a little longer than that but i uh, was able to quit his job in march of 2022 so man yes, that's awesome it's so exciting i was just like when i when we're talking about that it's just like you kind of look back and remember the day you finally said i'm done and it just felt so good didn't it feel so good to do that so it felt good, but it also felt awkward at the same time because yeah. you expect like fireworks and like a four piece mm. symphony orchestra to like start playing music that in the didn't background for you. No, I'm so sorry. Like me. I did, I missed the calendar invite. So like for me, I, I remember walking out of my boss's office and it was just very uneventful. It was just one of those Wednesdays where we were meeting in our weekly debrief and I was about to take his job and he was about to get promoted and I was the next in line. And I just said, you know, he's talking about, hey, you know, you need to do this, this, this. You're not making this call. You're not making this call. And I said, Mark, I'm done. I can't do this. Like, it's better for us to just, it's better for you to go ahead and find somebody to replace. I'm about to hop on a flight in July and go travel around the world. I was originally going to plan to draw this out for as long as I could until then. But out of respect for you, he was a good guy. It was a good company. I didn't want to screw them over. I wasn't trying to run away or escape. It was just time to part ways. And so I just said, hey, let's go ahead and call it. Um, let's rock and roll. And then so they escorted me out to my car because I remember they had some new hires that day and they didn't want me to go back in and like mm -hmm. say goodbye to people as they had people on their first day. Yeah. So they escorted me out to my car and I drove through Fulton Industrial Boulevard in Atlanta and I was just driving home, I guess at like nine o'clock, nine 30 in the morning on a Wednesday. And I was like, well, 
what do I do? <laughs> I can't hang out with anybody. They're all working. So I just started playing some music in my car. I was like, well, I did the damn thing. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's how it works sometimes. That's so cool. Yeah. It, it, for me, when I did it, I felt like I was, I, I felt really good, but it also felt really uneasy. Was it the same for you? Did you feel like crap? Like what, what am I getting myself into a little bit? That? Oh, that was the following three months. So my, <laughs> my advice to people is if you plan a massive trip, like a massive life changing trip around the world, um, don't let there be any buffer between just do the trip. Like I had three months between the time I quit my job and thinking if this was a good idea, by the time I went on that flight, three panic attacks in between. Uh, yeah, not too, too fun. But uh, we pulled it through and hopefully we can give some advice today for people not having to go through the same thing. We can be the guinea pigs. <laughs> Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about like that decision making process because uh, that's a that's a challenge in itself. Uh, you were making some pretty good money, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, so so you're making good money. You've got this career. You've got a an opportunity to step up, right? Get to the next level. I mean, you're literally ready to take over your boss's job, who's get, going to the next level as well. So you're climbing the corporate ladder, and you're like, you know what? I'm done. Um, yeah. But how did you know? How like how did you know you were done? I looked at my boss's boss. And so I was doing shadowing, like in corporate America, like you do like shadowing of the next person up and they're like your mentor within the company. So you can kind of see what a day in the life is. And they're kind of walking you through the intricacies of it. And I looked at, I was touring my VP and they were slotting me to be the next VP of sales at the Southeast and a couple of, um, years. So I was planning for two years, I was going to be the VP. So for people listening, I worked for a fortune 500 B2B enterprise sales company um, in Atlanta, Georgia, I made it to the top, I was number eight out of 5079, had a whole trophy case full of awards. Um, and that was the mountaintop that I made it to, you know, they said I was the rep of the year, rookie of the year, top of the company. And so I did everything I ever wanted. And then so then you get promoted and promoted and promoted until I looked at that guy, and I said, that's not a guy I want to be. And I was like, this guy's out of shape. He's on his third marriage, not seeing his daughters grow up. He's flying around the country, just doing glorified PowerPoint presentations. That is not a life I want to live, especially for maybe $100,000 extra in stock options. That vests after three to five years, right? Which that's how they keep you in. And so that's an exercise I always recommend people do is look at your boss's boss. And if that's not somebody you aspire to be through five years of kick and tail, uh, it's time to exit or at least try to plan your escape. Yeah. So how to take me through like, okay, that's not who I want to be. That's not where I want to go. So now what, what were you doing or what did you start to do to make that a possibility to make that a reality? Yeah. So there, there's a couple of process stages to the process that I've kind of worked through because now my entire job is helping other people leave their jobs. So I had to create some type of system and framework around it. So the best shot that I had at it that I've seen to be repeatable now that I've had a couple of dozen people do the same thing is kind of this four-step framework that I've used. So the first step of the framework um, is I tell people you got to slow down before you speed up. And that's advice that I'm still trying to take myself through my entrepreneurial journey. And it's figure out where the hell do you want to go before you start mashing the gas. So yeah. So say you figure out your passive income number in GoBundance, we call it, you know, our freedom number. Like what, what number do you need 
like to be a hundred percent or to have a hundred percent of your income covered by your passive income, quote unquote, which we all know is degrees of passivity, right? There's not right. too, too much 100% passive income. So you get your income covered. Now what? Like, what does a day look like? Like, what are you actually doing with your time? What's your vision for what that life looks like? And so I created my vision, which was I wanted to go travel. I'm going to travel around the world. That was one of my life streams. I was from a small town in Georgia. And it was just like, we never, when I was a kid growing up, I went to like maybe one vacation to Florida one time, right? So I'd never barely been anywhere exotic and I wanted to see the world. So all of my decisions were based off of that vision of, I want to travel full time. So that means that I can't have too much that's grounded with where I'm at. So I tell people, start with your vision, put it three years in the future, write it in present tense and say, hey, like, this is what I want a day in my life to look like. Here's what my business looks like. Here's what everything looks like. And you can write out and try not to limit yourself, try to stretch and do it if anything was possible. And then that's your benchmark. That's what you're aiming towards. So when I did that, that's what I decided was I wanted to go do the travel thing. And that was a year and a half before leaving that position. Um, and then the next step is doing the unsexy stuff. You, I feel like you have to earn the right to follow your passions. I don't feel like it's something that you can just, you know, jump into. You have to do the unsexy stuff first to build a really solid financial foundation to build on top of. And the stronger the foundation, the higher the skyscraper can be, right? So for me, I did it just through single family real estate. Very sexy, very unsexy, very boring. I just had four properties over in Atlanta, Georgia, North Atlanta and the suburbs and appreciating markets. I did what's called the house hack strategy. I bought them owner occupant, conventional financing, three to 5% down, lived in one part, rented the other rooms out. So I had no expenses because I had my car in cash. Remember, I had the DJ company, so I paid off my college and all the rest of the night. Now my housing is covered because I live in one part. I'm paying a $1,600 mortgage and I've got three other tenants that are paying me cash flow while I'm already there. So long story short, I had a couple of those properties. Those ended up printing out about $4,000 net um, between all of them after expenses being fully booked out. PITI, CapEx, maintenance, repairs, all of that that you have to put on the top. And so I was making a quarter million dollars a year in my sales job. So most people, how they go about this is they say, how do I generate quarter million dollars of passive income? Well, that's effing yeah. difficult. Yeah. You know, and anybody, anybody that says it's not is lying to you. It's that's a lot of work. You have to really swing for the fences to create that. And you can, um, maybe you can do it faster if you're with peers like mentors that are doing larger deals and maybe you're JVing with them. But um, that's a tall tale to kind of take on. And so a coach po poised a question to me um, that I thought was really, really beneficial because I never thought about things this way. And he said, <laughs> he was like, okay, so you're talking about this passive income. He's like, why do you, why does it necessarily need to be passive? He's like, I feel like you're the type of person that would want to work. Hmm. And I said, okay, that's true. He goes, now that you have all your time back after leaving this job, you're going to want to do something. And he goes, and you're in enterprise B2B sales. He's like, so you're going to do something. I was like, okay, that's true. And he's like, yeah. So instead of asking how to generate passive income, how do we generate income that you can do that's remote and scalable instead and change the format and change the focus? So that's what was created my whole concept of passionate income. So I think you have captive income, which is your money that's attached to your time. And you go work a 40 hour week, maybe you get overtime sales bonus commission. That's 
all tied to your captive income. Passive income is money that's not tied to your time anymore. So now you make it while you're laying on the couch, while you're sleeping, the money comes right. in. Passionate income is now you've built a business around stuff that you would do for free. And that's what you're making money off of. So just put a pin in all of this. 4000 bucks coming in from the unsexy real estate. I thought I was going to do this through multifamily. And that's how I was going to exit through $25,000 a month. What I ended up doing instead was creating a podcast, which is my show, Action Academy, which we do five days a week. And because we do so much episode, so many episodes and so much volume, the advertising value of that is greater because it's just more frequency, more content, more advertising spots. So I did the CPA model of advertising, which is cost per affiliate. So essentially, the easiest way to break that down is high ticket service. You make a percentage of that service whenever somebody joins that service from your podcast. So for me, I had a couple of different masterminds, different coaches that I that I paid for. And so I would recommend those to the show. A bunch of people would sign up, a couple dozen each month, and I'd get a cut. So all of a sudden, I look up one day and I said, holy shit, we did it. Coach, we did it. We got like $30,000 coming in this month. Holy crap, we figured it out. And I can do this while I'm traveling. And so that's what ended up allowing me to save up a six-month emergency fund cash cushion. And so that I wouldn't be in scarcity in case everything went up in flames. I knew that I had a six-month runway to figure things out. And then that's when I was able to pull the trigger. And the irony is I had about, listening to me for you guys listening, it's like I had it about as figured out as you could have it figured out. And it's still terrifying. Yeah, so right. you're not going to escape that. <laughs> so I'll take a pause there, man. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely not going to escape that. That's awesome. Though. I love the, the, like the four step process there and, and uh, the really thoughtfulness, because I think a lot of people don't put that thought into it. I talked to some people that just like, like they're like done and they just quit. And I'm like, what? so what next? Like, well, yeah. I'll figure it out. And it's like, that sounds good. But maybe you should have figured it out first. Um, Absolutely. Now, for me, it was fairly easy. I wasn't making $250,000 a year. In fact, I was making just over $25,000 a year. I was making like $30,000. So he could pop that out. Yeah, he could pop that yeah. real quick. So it wasn't that hard. So that $4,000 of passive income that you're talking about, like that did pay for my, you know. Uh, but man, I love the passion income too, because it's it's true. What are you going to do? You're, mm -hmm. you're really just going to quit your job, especially, you, you know, you're young, like you're really going to quit your job and just be done. Like that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound fun. At least for me, I don't think most people would really enjoy that. So you got to figure out something that you're going to want to do. And I love that you, you took your, your, Hey, this is, this is what I, I want to go travel. Like I want to be, mm -hmm. have that freedom. So you said, what can I do? While I travel. Still, yeah. That still allows me to have that freedom. Right. Yeah. And and you created this podcast that now you can create income off of. And then of course you've got your real estate too. Like you mm -hmm. said, it's passive, but nothing's passive completely. Correct. Um, so you have to spend some time on that as well. Traveling the world, was it worth it? And and what did you like? What did you learn? No, terrible experience. Wouldn't recommend it. Of course it was worth <laughs> it, man. What the hell? Yeah, it was fantastic. It was a great experience. Um, yeah, uh, what I learned. Uh, so first off, for people listening, I hopped on a one-way flight. I like I did dang near everything that I could to bankrupt myself. Okay. Yeah. Like that's why I'm so that's why I made the joke. I posted today. I'm like 365 days job free, right? Self-employed out of corporate America. And I somehow I'm still not bankrupt. I did something right. 
because like it's one thing to just quit your job you're like okay now i'm gonna buckle down hunker right. down and figure out how the heck to make things work i was like i'm gonna go spend more money than i've ever spent yeah. <laughs> and so we traveled around the world i lived in mykonos santorini crete for uh the month of july I lived in greece then we went to barcelona traveled all around europe uh, for three months. Then I spent a couple of months in Latin America, lived a couple of months in Brazil. Then I finished it out with a very, very cheap place called Singapore, the most expensive mm. country in the world. So it was a, it was a blast. I lived my bucket list. Um, mentors told me, and I agree with them, like, don't try to nickel and dime your dream. So like when it came to the hotels, I was staying in really nice hotels, I was staying in really nice Airbnbs and really nice locations. And we were eating out three times a day. Ended up being about $73,000 for the trip for seven months, which breaks down to about $10,000 a month. Yeah. But uh, absolutely worth it. Um, I would not recommend somebody doing seven months. I think that was a bit much. Uh, I would recommend doing a couple of months. I think two to three months traveling around Europe would really get the job done. But after that, you really succumb to hedonic adaptation. And you'll like, I realized it was time to go home. When I was in Brazil and I had this floor to ceiling glass window house and I was looking out over this beautiful ocean and this beautiful jungle, there's monkeys and freaking toucans flying around. And I was like, eh, not as nice as Mykonos because you get used to it. And it's just ridiculous. It's like if you buy a Ferrari and you buy another Ferrari, then you're like, eh, I just a guy that has Ferraris. And then you, it's not, it doesn't mean anything to you anymore. So I think that the diversity is like the spice of life. And you can't really appreciate sunshine unless you see the rain, all the, all the, you know, <laughs> cliches, but um, some takeaways are that um, you don't need to mash the gas all the time. Uh, so after I quit the job, like that was my entire identity, man. So that's a whole other can of worms that needs to be opened is like, you leave your job, your identity is completely gone. Like who the, who the F are you now? Um, now that you're out of that, because a lot of us are high performers. And if you have the ability to leave corporate America, it's because you're a high, high performer, like you, you get crap done. Yep. And so I was like, who am I now? And so, you know, I was trying to force an answer to that. And that doesn't work. Answers don't come through force. Answers come through rest and flow and relaxation. So it's two different periods that you're supposed to navigate through through life. But in American culture, we just use one of them and that's navigation versus acceleration. So in America, we just mash the gas on the car and just expect to continue to go until all of a sudden the engine burns out and we can't go anymore. And so that's us as people, that's where you get divorced. That's where you get cancer. That's where you get sick. That's where you get burned out. That's where you get depressed, anxiety, sound familiar to America, pretty familiar. Um, so what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to mash the gas when we we've got a very clear target then we get the target then you're supposed to transition into the next period which is navigation that's where you take time to take your foot off the gas relax flow take some time to think about what's next and then when that comes to you that's when it's time to go back so a good example of this is like a cheetah in the wild it's not sprinting 24 7. most of the time it's spent just kind of stalking its prey and looking out in the bush and then as soon as it sees the prey, it's gone. So that's how I, that's a big takeaway is I had to go through four months of navigation, just being okay, not knowing what the hell I was going to do next um, to figure out what I was going to do next. And by the time I got clear with just being okay with sitting on it, then that's when it came to me. And that you don't need to travel to Greece for this, ladies and gentlemen, you can just go out. I would recommend getting in nature. 
But even just going and hiking in the woods or climbing a mountain or going down a river, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So the podcast, uh, you've got a pretty successful podcast. Talk me through um, building that podcast audience and how you started. Well, you kind of mentioned already how you've monetized it. So maybe just Mm -hmm. kind of building. How how did you create a successful podcast in a pretty short period of time? That's a that's a whole other that's a whole other episode, buddy. Oh, man, that's uh, all I think about. So uh, advice I would give for people when it comes to like branding and podcasting in general is start with very specific avatars. And like really speak to those people. So the two people I speak to are the entrepreneur and the early entrepreneur. So the entrepreneur is that corporate guy. That's me three years ago, hustling and grinding, reading the sales books, you know, making it to the top. And maybe they have a couple of properties, but they're trying to figure out how to escape the rat race, right? And get their freedom so they can do what they want when they want with who they want. And the other person I talk to is that person that's a new entrepreneur, which is like kind of the process of going through right now, right? where it's maybe that person in the one to 6 million range of revenue annual and their business is running them. They're not running their business. So they heard about all this stuff about entrepreneurship and they traded a 40 hour work week for a 90 hour work week. Congratulations. You're an entrepreneur. You did it. (laughs) Right. So I talked to both of those people equally um, because they're both looking for the same thing, freedom. And so we talk a lot about real estate investing, you know, business entrepreneurship, my goal for the show is to get investors to be to more so identify as entrepreneurs that dabble in real estate as opposed to real estate investors that dabble in entrepreneurship. So hmm. I, fo- I focused on addressing those problems really specifically. What would you say um, so the difference is between those With two? what? What you just said, the real estate investor focusing on, or is that focusing on being a real estate investor dabbling in business versus? Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference between go bonus elite and champions. I think, because I've, I've I've dang near interviewed all of them. So it's um so for people listening for context, the go bonus elite is one to ten million, and champions is ten million and above. So I talked to a lot of guys. My average show guest is between five and fifty million. So most of them are ten million and above. And so what I've noticed is over and over and over again, it's the people that understand how business works and how the game works of business. And they really focus on things like hiring, inspiring, delegation, automation, org chart, systems, and process. Those guys tend to win in the long run, as opposed to a lot of people are independently wealthy and maybe make it to their first million or first 5 million by being a good investor. So they can analyze numbers on a spreadsheet buy a property for below market value, do the repairs to get it, the ARV higher, make a profit. And so maybe they have like a flipping company, a wholesaling company, an investing company, but they're just really, they view it as an investment. So they're like, how do I get to 10 million? Oh, I'm going to buy, get 10 million more in equity by buying these properties. But it's like, as soon as you figure out the business side of it more and understand leverage and scale and systems, then that's where you actually earn the freedom part of it. Because one of my buddies, Vince Gethings, who you may know, um, he's, you know, in the 7 million range and he's got a very successful multifamily company um, or so he thought, and you know, it's not a dig on Vince. He's a freaking rock star. Like I had him on my podcast, but he uh, has this organization that's churning away and he's got a, a flipping company, a construction company, all these vertic- vertically integrated. He goes to Costa Rica with his family for a month. Everything falls apart. 
his assistant quits, all this different stuff falls apart, deals start falling, and he has to cut his trip short to go home. Hmm. So it's like, I'm careful to build a business to where I can continue to go travel if I want to. Right. And then that just takes a whole different skill set. So that's what I mean by that is having like building a business that invests in real estate instead of just being like, I'm an investor that, okay, fine, I'll put my business owner hat on. So that's what I'm transitioning into as well right now. So the idea behind this show was that there are so many real estate investors out there, but they focus on just doing a deal. They focus on the next deal and that's it. And they don't focus on building a business and i'm like yeah. these people gotta start building a business they can't they can't just yeah. focus on doing real estate so i love that you said that so that's exact 100 especially the flippers especially the flippers especially the, and i was one of them i was yeah. a flipper and and i was focused and, and even in my transition i was solely focused on the next deal how do i get right. the next deal done how do i get the next deal done and it was just about doing deals it wasn't about building a company that was scalable that was efficient. That could, like you said, could run without me. I went to Europe for three weeks and that was like the most painful time to be gone because ironically, right? (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm like, everything's going to fall apart. I can't be here this long. So I'm stressed the entire time. Not, I mean, I had a good time, but not the way I should have been because I was just so nervous about everything happening at home. I can't keep doing this. I know it's, it's a, it's a weird dichotomy. Right. (laughs) And it's just like, so that's, that's been my whole like MO is trying to figure out, you know, how do I build this from the beginning as something that I can do that churns, you know, churns and burns without me. So I've had a lot of cool conversations on my podcast too, with different guys like John Warlow who authored built to sell, like talking to guys like that, where it's like, when you, when you're starting your company, you want to build it with the end in mind. Yep. To where it's like, how can I bake this to where like, even when I'm doing my PL, I just did my PL like a couple hours ago with my bookkeeper and my team. And we're already allotting like my salary for my replacement in the PL, like in our yeah. forecasting. Love that. So we're already planning for stuff like this, even though I have no intention of leaving. We're already plotting, like planning for that in, in the book, in, in the business. And also when it comes to the context that you were just talking about with the flipping revenue, that's one-time revenue. Yeah. So when you stop, when the party stops, like the machine stops churning. Yeah. So it's just like another cool takeaway from John when I had him on my show was he was teaching about the concepts of uh, one-off revenue versus recurring revenue. And he was saying that how a, like an HVAC company can, will, will get like um, valued at like a two to three X higher multiple at exit for their recurring revenue as opposed to their one-off revenue. So he's like, maybe they'll get valued at 75 cents on the dollar for every dollar of one-off revenue, but they'll get valued at $3 for every dollar of recurring. Yeah. So having those contracts in place. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what changed my entire business model for what I'm doing right now is I, I, I started jumping into the online course space when I was in Brazil. And that's when I was exiting that period of navigation. And I had the download. I said, oh, I want to help other people do this, right? That's my whole jam. Mm-hmm. And so that's my entire business now. And so I, I was like, I'm going to do the online course thing. That's what I'm going to do. But then I did that for two months. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. So if I stop marketing this online course, like it just won't sell anymore. So like, it's the same thing as flipping. 
I was like, somebody buys it and they're like, oh, this is cool. And then what? So then I very quickly pivoted into the mastermind, into the annual thing. So now that's what I do. I scrapped that and I made it all into a mastermind of people that are leaving. So that's been a whole, and it's way more valuable, man, because like there's at the end of the day, guys that are listening to this, like there's not, I, I, I run an entrepreneurship podcast. There is not a podcast, a book, anything that you can read or any piece of content that you can consume. That's going to do it for you. Yeah. Like, honestly, if I were to do one resource and like one resource alone, I would say find the mentor. That's what I would say. Pay them whatever money they ask for, because yeah, that's going to be the thing that gets you across the finish line. Yeah. All that other stuff's good. All that other stuff's great supplemental, great uh, to begin with, uh, great to continue with, but yeah, that the mentor hundred percent. I mean, that, that I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, and the way you set your podcast up, too is that reoccurring revenue and now these are evergreen yeah. episodes so as mm-hmm. long as that affiliate is still in business you could have somebody listen to your episode from two years ago they could they could listen to that episode and they could sign up with that person and you all of a sudden you get more money coming in the door correct that's that's a beautiful thing gotta love yeah. that yeah man um brian I had a couple, I got a couple other questions I want to ask you and then uh, give you some opportunity to finish up here. So um, what's a, what are some daily habits, daily habits, whether it's morning, afternoon, before bed, doesn't matter. What are, what are some daily habits that are key to your success? Oh man, y'all are going to get so annoyed by my answers. Um, so my, for me and my business, I have, I have three things that I, I focus on. So I have three C's that I, that I spend my week focusing on. That's content, community, and capital. That's it. So that means I'm either making content, I'm either working on my community, or I'm focused on doing sales and marketing for my community, which is the capital part, like making sure that top line revenue is coming in the door. That's me. And so for me, like my lead measure habits, so you have lead measure, lag, lag measure. So my lead measure, my actionable habits are every single day I'm in the gym, every day, like clockwork. That's just something that's just automatic for me. <laughs> um, I'm normally making two to three videos for social media, normally like shorter, short form videos, like 60, 60 seconds or less. So I do three to five of those. I'll normally do, I'll do a podcast every day. Um, so a lot of it is metrics around pot around content, like two Instagram posts, LinkedIn posts, five tweets, five TikTok videos, stuff like that. That's just like super annoying, but it's just like what actually feeds the machine for me. So that along with a morning routine, along with now um, I have a habit of writing a thousand words a day, working on a book that's going to come out like way, way later. Like, so I just do a thousand words a day. So that those are my daily habits that kind of lead into everything else. I love those C3s. That's, that's really good content, community, capital. And you know what you want, you know what you're looking for. Um, What's a, what's a book? a favorite book that you passed on to our listeners or something you're reading right now that you're really enjoying. Yeah. So this is a, I was waiting for this one. Cause I have a whole, I have a hot take on this one. Uh, but it's just like, I used to be a guy that read so many books. Like I loved reading books and I was like the book a week kind of guy. Right. Yeah. I was like, Oh, gonna read a book a week, man. And then my coach was like, how are you going to read like atomic habits? And then next week read something new before implementing atomic habits. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, that's a good one. And then another, it's like, so that leads to my hot take, which is I think a lot of people read business books too early. 
before they're actually in business because now like that was me. I remember reading Profit First, which is my answer. Um, I remember reading Profit First before I had a business, but I was just like, oh, this is a great business book. Oh, fantastic business book. I would highly recommend this to people before I had a business, before I was running payroll. Yeah. And now I'm yeah. like, now that I'm running payroll and I'm running a business and gross, pro- gross revenue, net revenue, all this different stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I'm rereading it. I'm like, this is the Bible. Like, I love this. <laughs> so that's going to be my answer for that one. But it's just funny thinking back, you know, it's just perspective now, like thinking back to all the business books I was reading before I was actually doing it. Same thing with cash flow quadrants. You're like, oh, you know, self-employed business owner, investor, employee. And you don't think that you're like the self-employed one. You think you're the business owner until you reread it when you have the business. You're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I'm the self-employed, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm the one grinding. Yeah, it's funny because I was, I had this habit of buying all these books. Kind of like, oh kind yeah, of like you, me too. You know, I'm just constantly buying books. I'm Audible. I'm getting, you know, it just. And then I'm looking at my bookshelf, and I'm like, first of all, how can I implement all these books? I've got you know hundreds of books here, and I can't implement them all. So I'm like, I'm I'm done. I'm not buying another book. I'm done. Yeah. And I'm just gonna go through my library and just reread the ones that I think are the most applicable to me today. And like you said, like how do you read How'd Atomic Habits? You can't just read Atomic Habits and go, okay, put that on the bookshelf. Great book. We're, we're done. Great book. <laughs> That's an let's awesome go book. on to the next one. Let's, yeah. let's read Traction now. You yeah. Know, you can't just. Oh, guilty. Oh, that was another fantastic one. I read Traction <laughs> before I had a business. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like, That's adorable. <laughs> you can't, right. You can't implement Traction if you don't have a business and in a business in the right spot too. And you have you, no frame right. of reference. How many books have you read where you, where you read it and you're done reading it and you're like, or, or maybe you even quit reading it. You know, like, this book sucks. And then <laughs> yeah. you read it maybe six years later or whatever it is, like years later. And you're like, this is the best book I've ever read. Because it applies to you today. It didn't apply to you back then. I'll, t- I'll tell you, man, the only book that, so Atomic Habits is one of my favorite books, but I think 80% of it could be cut out. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I think 80% of, of it books. can be cut out because <laughs> it's like the first couple of chapters, you're like, all right, this is the best thing I've, I've ever heard. And then it's like case studies. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get, I get your point. You got me. You, you sold me already. Uh, all right, Brian, last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars of wealth creation. Um, I'll answer in a couple of different ways. So my first pillar of wealth creation is a framework that I learned from David Osborne, who is one of the founders of GoBundance. It's worth over $160 million. And that is the framework of I do, we do, they do. And I think that is the way to build businesses and wealth. That's I do it really good. And then we do it really good together. And then they do it really good without me. That's the process that every business and every asset should follow. So if you buy a single family house, maybe you buy the house then maybe you manage it with the team, with the property manager, and then you have somebody else manage it. Um, To that point, the second one is also a quote from David, which is plant seeds, manage orchards, which is every every single seed that you plant is a new business. It's a new investment property, new maybe business that you acquire, like a laundromat, a self storage facility, whatever have you, or maybe a distressed debt fund. Um, And each one of these is like in the beginning, like the business is a sapling that needs to be protected which is my business right now. It's like a little baby. If I don't pay a lot of attention to it, it doesn't have legs to be on its own. So you have to watch, watch it and watch over it to make sure that it, it becomes strong and resilient on its own. And then you can move on to the next thing, plant more seeds. 
So then once you have a couple of trees that are standing on their own, then you hire somebody else to manage the orchard. And then that's how you can be able to move on to the next thing. So I do, we do, they do plant seeds, manage orchards. And the last thing I would say is um, to actively condense decades into days. And that is through mentorship. Stop trying to be the expert at everything. And instead uh, focus on figuring out who, not how. And once you figure that out, then the world becomes your oyster. Because for instance, Facebook ads for me, that was something I was going to spend 10,000 hours learning until I realized there was another guy that I knew that already put his 10,000 hours in and I could just pay him 30,000 a year to run my Facebook ads. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a, you know, bottom line expense, but I mean, more so view it as an investment because what's my time, what's my 10,000 hours of my time worth. Right. So then he can come in as the expert. I leverage that. And then I'm able to grow my business with his expertise and two brands are better than one. So, and you're making way more than $30,000 on that investment. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Love it. Those are good. Um, any last thoughts before, before we uh, part ways here? Man, at the end of the day, I just want everyone to just do the freaking work of figuring out what they actually want. Cause I know too many rich people. I talk to rich people all the time. Like, like I said, every single day I'm talking to people that are 5 million and above five to 50 million, a couple hundred million, a couple billionaires I'm buddies with. And there's very few people even at that level can, that could tell you just what they, what they want, hmm. you know? So be the guy, be the girl that somebody's walking down the street and they say, Hey, what, what do you want? If I can make any of your dreams come true, have an answer. Like, because the faster and the clearer that you are with that, the faster that you're going to get it because you'll know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Because at the end of the day, strategy is just a set of self-imposed constraints that we put on decision-making. So you can't have strategy until you figure out what the end destination is. And for me, I'm not going to do real estate right now because I know I want to continue traveling around the world and I don't want to be tied to any property or managing any of that. That's just not my thing right now. So all I'm focused on is media and content for the time being next year, I'll start investing in real estate again. So I would say, just know what you want, do the work, slow down before you speed up. You got a trip planned? Um, I think I'm going to go to Columbia in a couple of months, but I want to make sure profit first. I want to lead with revenue there. I want to make sure that it's earned. That's a whole other can of worms, man. Is I'm like, so you're telling me that this, this money coming in isn't just mine anymore. It's like, what? Yeah. Telling me that I can only take a percentage of this. <laughs> I was like, I thought this was my business, man. I thought I just made money. So everyone's everyone's take home pay is full of crap. Everyone's so full of crap, dude. I'm like, I've got $50,000 coming in in January. I'm like, wait, I'm not taking home 50,000. Right, right. Yeah, so that was a learning lesson. <laughs> I sure spent like I was. <laughs> that's, yeah, I, that's my favorite business uh, line is my, my revenue. Yeah, sure. That, great. That's your revenue, but what are your expenses? <laughs> yeah. Great. Take home. But yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Cool. Well, Brian, man, this is, this has been fantastic. A lot of, a lot of energy. I love, I love, um, you know, your, your four steps there that you talked about. I love the, uh, you know, the capital, uh, content community, uh, just, just a lot of great advice that you've been able to give our listeners. How can our listeners you know, learn more about you, reach, reach out to you? I own a media company. I'm not really online too much. Nah, it's uh, you can find me uh, Brian Lubin anywhere. Um, that's L U E B B E N. Uh, I would say go check out Action Academy podcast. That's probably your best bet. 
Um, there you can kind of find everything else for me. If you want like a little freebie giveaway for people that are that really like text and they really like something in writing, you could check out uh, w2worldtravel.com and that has a 26 page free guide walking through the actual like numbers of my deals and everything. So you can see like, here's how I, here's how much I put down. Here's how much I did in renovations. Here's the actual dollars and data behind everything that I did. And you will walk you through step-by-step step with a bunch of resources there. So it's a little cool. freebie. Cool. Brian, again, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks buddy. Thanks for having me. Talk soon. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.